want to make, um, if you've got that nice paper Bible and you want to flip over there, we're going to start at Philippians chapter 1. And then we'll go to John 13 and then back over to Ephesians chapter 3 again. Today I want to talk to you about passion, purpose, and power. Passion, purpose, and power. Passion comes when we know him. Purpose comes when we know who we are in him. And power comes when we know who he is in us. Passion, purpose, and power. In Philippians chapter 1, passion, knowing him, passion is what I'm talking about, knowing him. In Philippians, starting at verse 9 of chapter 1, it says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you have opened yourself up in such a way to us that we can come in boldly and in confidence right into your presence and to develop this relationship with you that's more intimate than any earthly re relationship we can even begin to understand, God. Help us to step into that, to not just know about you, but to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, so much just in these couple verses. I mean, think about this. When he talks about knowing, knowing him, he always references the love. See, we can know about somebody, but when we know them, like I, I think I got into it a little bit more last week, that, that um, the Greek word, when it talks about knowing him in that way, and the Hebrew word knowing, um, actually are, are almost inseparable because it's a, um, it's a word of, that in our English language would describe um, intercourse. That it's a into. It's such an intimacy, not just a knowing about, but a knowing that the two become one. It's that knowing word that, so it talks about, um, like in Genesis, that Adam knew his wife and she conceived. The old King James Version said that. Um, that that's that word because they were trying to discern, you know, define that word. And since then, we've kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to try to drop a commercial in here and then back out real fast. 
life groups, and I'll speak about it more next week, um, we're focusing, we're refocusing these life groups uh, back to the word. Simply just reading the word. Because we have such a fractured understanding of God's word that we're missing out on so much. And it's not, oh, we know so much and we need to teach you. No, we're students with you. Um, we are so limited in our understanding of, of who we are, who he is, and what he wants to be in us. There's that passion, purpose, and power because of our fractured understanding of the word. And in this know, and now I'm going to jump back out of it again, commercial. In this knowing him, it is that lack of understanding. And I love it that he says, you can't have one without the other. It's talking about knowing him in that way and that true intimate love. So over and over again, you'll hear, hear Paul pray when he's writing letters, I'm praying that you will abound in your knowledge, or he'll talk about abounding in your knowledge through love, because you can't have one without the other. Or like he prayed right here, that it's, uh, yeah, in this prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you can discern why. You can't really understand. You can try to do right and wrong, right? Right? You can try to do right and wrong, but apart from being found in him, in love, to becoming one, that prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden, that we be in him, him be in us, and blah, blah, you know, and complete unity, all of our doings is... Um, As filthy rags, the Bible calls it. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. It can never be good enough. I hear people say that, and that's where that scripture comes from. If one of you say that you have no sin, you're a liar. Um, I hear people say, well, I'm a good person. Okay. <laughs> but all your goodness, all the good things that you could ever try to mount up and do are like dust blown off the scale of when you stand before judge. It, it just can't compare. That's why Jesus had to come. So in this knowing him, that love has to come. Otherwise, uh, again, it's just a, a head knowledge. Um, no, I'm not going to step into that. I won't step into that. I might Wednesday night. If you come Wednesday night, I might step into this one a little bit deeper that there's a there's another commercial for you. We were created as a triune being, spirit, soul, and body, right? Just as God created us in his image. Um, and you've heard Bill Johnson preach about this, that the, the mind is the gateway between the two. Well, God just kind of opened that up to me at pre-service prayer, that that's the connection that we have that we're not grabbing a hold of, and it goes right along with this message, that we're trying to attain heaven by going around our mind because we think it's some kind of filthy, rotten, awful thing because sometimes we focus more on what not to do than we do on what to do, right? Don't we? Because even as parents, we go, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, right? 
And somehow we think that we can attain heaven or get heaven or get into the presence by going around that filthy, rotten mind, all those horrible things in our head, and somehow our spirit will connect and, you know, and then lay down the body and crucify the body and the body has nothing to do with, well, if the body had nothing to do, if your mind had nothing to do with what God wanted of you, then he wouldn't have created But they have to be put in that perfect order. So it's the spirit that can bring to the flesh, bring to reality, but it comes through the gateway, the mind. Sorry, that was a commercial. We might go into that in more depth on Wednesday. Um, God called David a man after his own heart. This passion. I mean, when you think of passion, don't you think of, oh, you know, you can even, you know, grab a hold of your heart and think, yeah, it comes from my heart. It's got to be a passion. And where does it come from? Your heart. Passion comes from your heart. David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because everything he did, he did with God in mind. When he was tending the sheep out in the field, what did he do? He sang praise. You know, what did he do? He talked to God. He walked with God. He even looked at uh, the sheep as um, working for God. I'm tending my father's, not just, he wasn't thinking just of his earthly father, but he was thinking about his heavenly father's lot. You know, the bear, the, the lion that he attacked, he used it when he faced Goliath. Why? Because it was, it was his um, field of beginnings, really. It was his field of beginning this relationship with God that carried out throughout his entire life. When he ran for, was it 13 or 14 years after being anointed as king? Running and hiding and I mean, he had, you know, Saul right there. He could have killed him and been done with it and, you know, taken his throne. But he wanted to do things in God's time and in God's order. And you read Psalms, and my goodness, it's just a well of relationship. And that's what God's after. He's after your heart. Remember, he even said, you know, I'm going to, I I have to get to your heart, and but you've put your money in in your place, in your heart, instead of me. So what? You know, where your treasure is there, your heart is also. And we all, oh, God's always after our money. God wants your money. That's just stupid. And I found out after reading Proverbs 12, I can say stupid now, because in the NIV it says you're just stupid. So I'm just quoting, sorry. I'm just quoting the word there. Um. He's after your heart. And if you put things, listen, if you put things in, in priority in your heart, in wrong priority in your heart, if you remove God from being the priority in your heart and you put something else there, just expect him to touch it. Or allow Satan to touch it because it can't be. It can't be. It, why? Because it's going to ultimately hurt you. And he loves you too much to allow that thing to remain. So, and, and you know, he'll call it, he'll call it to the test. So let's say it that way. Um, and you're like, well, God loves me too much. He would never ask me for it. Yeah, he will. Because if you love that thing more than you love God. Passion in us for more of him and listen also, the word compassion for others is that same um, 
dual passion that I'm talking about. It's got to come passion for more of him in us. That's that heart. It's got to be, and it will be seen in your compassion, which is a compound word, both com, C-O-M, and passion, right? Which is intense feelings or emotions is what passion is. Com, that word is with. Compassion is with intense feelings and emotions. So you can't have one without the other. If you have the one without the other, it's selfish. Right? To be in him, to have this relationship and this passion that starts burning in your soul, burning in your heart, that you just know him, you know him, you have to make him known. It, it just, it can't, otherwise it's just selfish and you'll lay around and, and get fat and, you know. Okay, I shouldn't talk like that. You have to give it out. And you're like, well, if I give it all out, what will I get? You'll get more. Rivers of living water, he said, will come out of you. Well, how can that be when you stay plugged into the fountain <laughs> and give it out? But when you close it up and say, what's well, for me? I, I need this, right? I need this and I need that. And, you know, I'm this needy, 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 needy then you won't get any more. Why? Because he's not going to give you more until you get rid of what he's given you. Why? So you can be a glass or you can be a pitcher. And he'll keep filling that pitcher up. It will just keep running. It will not ever run dry unless you stop it up. Passion. Passion for others. Jesus, over and over again in the scripture, it says he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for the people. He saw the people were like, you know, sheep without a shepherd and being mistreated and beaten and sick. And he was moved with compassion. That's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be moved with the passion of Jesus. Philippians 1, 7 and 8 says, it is right for me, right before what we just read, says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. He says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ. See, when you get into that relationship with him, you begin to, your heart begins to beat as his heart. And you can't help but turn and look at your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that means everybody, not just in these four walls. That means the drunk on the corner. That means that guy that's sitting in prison that knows that he did wrong and everybody knows that he did, that's still God's child. For everyone, you can't help but look at them with God's eyes and feel compassion with God's heart. I like Jeremiah 29 says, There is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones Jeremiah says, and I am weary with holding it in. I cannot any longer. That's the passion we should have for making him known to others. I can't help it. I have to tell people how much God loves them. Passion comes from knowing him. Purpose. Purpose comes from knowing who you are in him. Who you are in him. 
In John chapter 13, right before Jesus washes the disciples' feet, starting at verse 2. Actually, look at this. See, here it is again. It's always tied in with love. Knowing God, knowing who you are in God, knowing who God is in you, and love. Because if we back up at the end of verse 1, it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas, Simon of, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, after that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He knew who he was. He knew his purpose. He knew where he was going. And he knew the power that God had placed in him. And it was in that full extent of love, that knowing that he was able then to get up, wrap the towel around his waist, pick up the basin, and start washing the disciples' feet. See, your purpose can be found in even the most menial tasks. When what? When you know who you are in him. See, if you're searching for meaning out of what you do, you'll always be searching. You can't find purpose in what you do. You can't. If you're seeking to... F Let me say it this way. You cannot serve God in your purpose if you're seeking purpose in what you do. You wonder why people get burned out, why they get tired, while they, why they drop out of ministries all the time? It's because they're trying to find their purpose in what they do and not in God first. And it's not just first, it's a continual, you have to continually be doing this. All this that I'm talking about is not a, never. Actually, I don't think, have I ever, yeah, death. <laughs> when, when you die to self and take on Jesus... Jesus, I'm all yours. That rebirth, that reborn, that, that, that salvation uh, is the only one time. Boom. Do that once. Don't ever go back to that. Everything else is a every day. Keep continually. Be being filled. You know, continually be coming into his presence. Be praying. Constantly be praying. You know, seems like everything else but that one action, you know, line in the sand drawn right there, bloodline, dead to old man, new alive. Now continue to do. Don't don't do the don'ts anymore. Continue to do the do's. Do 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 do. Anyway, um, it's a continually ongoing. So I'm not talking about you uh, finding your purpose once and now you can run out of God's presence and you know and 
now I'm going to because you will burn out. You have to constantly know who you are, stay in him, so that whatever he calls you to do is your purpose. Whether it be for a moment, whether it be for a season, whether it be for lifetime, whatever it is. You're not trying to find purpose in what you do. You find yourself in him, who you are, just like Jesus. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going, and he knew the power that he was given. So for, to show the full extent, that passion, that love, from love, intimacy with him to compassion for others, now he can show that in all, everything he did, even the menial task. That's what transforms a greeter from just handing somebody a bulletin to extending God's hand of love. That's what transforms a cafe worker from serving a cup of coffee to serving the life of Christ to someone. Oh, that sounds good, but how is that really true? It is. It's all up in here. How do you look at what you do? Well, I need a title to do something. You know, if I had if I had a name, if I had a title, if I had a position, then I would do ministry. No, you wouldn't. You'd do it until you didn't feel like you were, you know, valued enough, and then you'd go on to something else. Why? Because you're trying to search for your value in what you do, too. And see, your value has to come from knowing who you are in him. Then whatever you do. I remember my biggest, my first biggest step into ministry, um, I washed toilets at the church for free. Didn't we, Brian? Because I pulled my whole family in. If God's calling me, he's calling all of us. We're all going to wash toilets for free. And we're going to pick up and we're going to clean and we stay in late every Saturday night to do all that. Why? Because there was always something going on at the church and you couldn't clean Friday, you couldn't clean Thursday, you had to clean late Saturday night. I could do that and still feel valued because he was my value. He was my purpose. Not what I did. And I mean, I thought I had all that. I, I didn't, didn't think I ever had a problem with that until I, God moved me back down to Charlotte and I went through quite a long season. You know, I went from, I don't want to say, I, I had a lot of ministry responsibility before God moved me up to Traverse City. Came up there and it was, you know, God put me right into youth pastor up there and, you know, answer to a prayer. And, and then the Michigan district called me and, you know, said, we want you to start working with us and do this mobile training institute and go all over Michigan and um, start training church leaders. And I'm like, that's it. You know, that's it. And so in order to do that, I had to, you know, we felt God, you know, we put out a fleece. God, if you want us to go back to Charlotte, we'll put our house up for sale. And like within two weeks, we had full cash offer. And, you know, it was just everything was falling into place. So, um, but got back to Charlotte and everything started falling to pieces. 
you know, all these um, conferences and training seminars and everything that we had set up all just started falling pieces. And the um, district director at that time, he's like, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, I had to take a bank position when we came back, you know, because you need money to live because there was no full-time position or even part-time position available at the church. And I said, that's okay, because if it's God, he'll take care of us. And I know I'm supposed to be working at the church, so I will volunteer 40 hours a week at the church, uh, or at as much 40 as I can, because I had to work part-time at the bank to make some money. Um, and I'll pay for everything myself, even though I didn't have any money. Um, and I volunteered. I had this little corner. It wasn't a desk. It was in the conference room. He gave me a plug-in. And on the file cabinet, I could put my laptop. And that's where I volunteered, 9 to, nine to 5, when I wasn't working at the bank all the time. Everything else started falling apart. And I'm like, well, you know, what's going on? And then, and you know, I was calling the pastor back up here I'm like you know did we miss it no no you know keep hanging in there hanging in there well it was during that time that pastor Mark was was slowly okay now take this responsibility and now take this and oh now this opened up and all of a sudden I was wearing all these hats and doing all this ministry um, without a position you know and if somebody wanted a meeting or somebody had to have a conference or whatever, it's like, you know, I had to pick up my laptop and go sit out in the waiting room with my laptop on my desk. But I was doing all this ministry. Uh, I was almost, I was pretty close to already being the executive pastor running, you know, the all the ministries and all the churches as a volunteer. And it was, I have to admit, frustration set in. I didn't even realize it got in there. And I went to Kevin Berry, who was always a good friend of mine, um, youth ministry and, and stuff. And he had just, you know, moved into the, taking the official, you know, senior pastor, lead pastor at Mount Hope. And I pulled him aside one time, was at something. And I'm like, I'm doing everything out of frustration. And I know it's not right. And I can't figure it out. And um, so he helped me, you know, with just throwing things back and forth in the little corner of this conference that was going on. And I said, I don't like the things that are coming out of me, the things that I'm starting to think, the things I'm starting to say, and I can't figure out where it's at. And it came from that. And I didn't even want to say it, that I wanted a position, that I wanted a title for the things I was doing. Because for some reason to me, in my flesh, it slip, slipped in there. That, was, that would secure my purpose. And it was so, I'm, when we finally discovered that was it, and I'm like, I'm ashamed to think that, you know, but that's it. Because he asked me, he says, well, I made the comment. You know, I was tired. I'm be getting burned out. I'm being frustrated. I can hear it in what I'm saying. I, 
can see it in the things I'm doing, you know, picking up my stuff and going here and going there and, you know, shuffle me here and show me, oh, by the way, and getting the late night phone calls, go do this, go do this, go do this, go do this. And when he asked me, if you had the title, would it change what you're doing? I went, no, but I would be okay with it if I had the title. And I mean, I was on my face before God that night. I don't even know what the rest of the conference was about. I'm like, where did that come from? Because I busied myself with trying to find my purpose. And I had left where I could find my purpose. Was stay in him. Know who you are in him. And then anything you do is just for him. It really is. Picking up trash, you know, cleaning a bathroom, grabbing a plunger when the toilet's clogged up, handing out a bulletin as a greeter, you know, doing the coffee, doing the connection. It all has purpose now, a divine purpose. Why? Because you know who you are, where you've come from, whose you are, you know the power he's given you, and then you can go ahead and wrap the towel around you. And pick up the wash basin and start washing the feet. And let me tell you, I know I've hit this one before over and over again. He didn't go around Judas when he was washing feet. The real test of if you're doing those tasks in his purpose, in him, is when you can even wash your betrayer's feet. Why does that same person always leave that same trash sitting on that same seat? I'm sick of it. I'm not picking it up anymore. Okay. Well, then who are you doing it for? Because if it was for him, he continues to love. He can't help but love. It's never ending. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, it's not selfish at all. It continues to give. Purpose comes from knowing who we are in him. And power, power comes from knowing who he is in you. So passion is knowing who he is, coming into him, coming into him. Being in him is that's where you'll discover who you are, that purpose. And now the power will come from knowing who he is in you. In Ephesians chapter 3, another prayer, of course, starting at verse 14, it says, for this reason, okay, well, I can't, can I continue reading? No, because there it is again, it's fractured understanding when we're not trying to look or or uh, discern, understand, read, uh, without knowing. He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father whom the whole family is. Why is, he, why is he kneeling? For this reason. If you look above that, 
Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, don't we feel like that at times? I know I do all the time. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me. What grace? The grace to know this working power in me. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry. I have to tell, or mystery. I have to tell you that is one of my biggest passions because I know it's come from his passion that we can make plain this mystery of the gospel to everyone. This is not something so aloft that we can't attain it, that we can't get to it, that we can't have it. He put it in plain uh, understanding. Plain English, I almost said, but it's like known with Hebrew and Greek. But anyway, but translated it to us. You know, so it should be our passion to understand this, simply understand this. Again, there's a life group commercial for you. Uh, make plain to everyone, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, there's our responsibility, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Listen to this. This is deep too. Made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Who do we war against? He says your weapons are not of flesh and blood because you don't war against flesh and blood. Right? Who do you war against? Rulers, principalities, and powers in the heavenly realms. Who makes it known? The church makes it known to them. We know who we are in God and his power in us. We make it known to them by what? By being the body and doing what he's called us to do. In unity, together, in purpose. Uh, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him. We may approach God, there it is again, coming into his presence with freedom and, and confidence. I ask therefore, he says, don't be discouraged because of my suffering there to your glory. Now, for this reason, because we have a responsibility as a church to make it known, to come into the power that he's given us, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Come into his presence. Approach God with freedom and kindness. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. There it is again. It can't go. It doesn't come separate from. To really know him in that, sorry, intercourse relationship 
him and us, us and him, that intense oneness cannot come apart from love. He says, established, rooted, and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that even goes beyond all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God all the fullness of God in you that's power wonder working power now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church. Why? Because it's the church's responsibility to make it known to all the princes and rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms that we are here and we're not going anywhere. We have a job to do. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I don't know why. I just got a picture of a transformer. I'm sorry. I raised way too many boys. What was it called when the transformers all joined together and became Megatron, right? Wasn't it? No? What? What? Maybe that was like old... Transformers. No. Oh, yeah, no, I don't like them. No. Was it? No. No, it was the Transformers all came together and became something bigger. They became one and became more powerful. Thank you. And they all joined together and they all stood up more powerful. Stop it. Don't laugh at me. Y'all too old. You don't even watch that stuff anymore. Power comes from knowing who he is in us. Think about it. Jesus instructed the disciples to wait. Wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? So they would be clothed in power. Clothed in power. He stated again, you shall receive power. Wait, wait, wait. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it was, it's, our English word upon you is a in and over on you. So it's a in you and on you. I mean, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in me for me, but he's on me for you. It has to have both. It comes in me and on me. It's a pun. In Romans 8, there it is where it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you or upon you, on you, in you and on you. What? For those who ask for the baptism, who receive the Holy Spirit. Power is knowing who is in you. It's not by your might, not by your power, not by your strength. It's by his his. Now it's sad to say, and I am wrapping up. Yep. Oh, hey. All right. 
Um, it's sad to say that, yes, there are people, ministers, evangelists, um, there are people out there performing some great miracles, even in the name of Jesus. But just because they're performing miracles does not say that they're, does not qualify as um, they're approved by. I'm trying to say this in a very nice way. Um, you can't say, well, I know that we need to go listen to this minister. We need to go, you know, to this conference. Why? See the miracles they're doing. See the miracles they're doing. The miracles are not the evidence or the mark of God's presence. No, you're like, how? What? Because it's a, a principle that he established. That his word, you speak his word, demons believe. Uh, in his name. Um, and, and you... We get that from where Jesus said, many's going to come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, look at all these things we did for you. We cast out all these demons. We raised the dead. We healed the sick. Look at all the things we did. And he's going to say, apart from me, I never knew you. So be very careful when you start qualifying individuals as God's anointed holy ones because of miracle because that's not what he qualified it's that knowing do we know him does he know us that that intimacy <laughs> that being one with and there are marks there are evidences of that presence you notice everything is in I mean, I, I could do a, a year-long series just on the word in. Because it has to be in him. You have to be found in him. He has to be in you. All these things are come from knowing in him, in us. I'm going to be starting in October, I think, with the... the First one service, uh, a series on the kingdom of heaven. You know, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We seek righteousness, we seek peace, and we seek joy, but we seek it apart from being in, or apart from finding it in the Holy Spirit, and it won't last. Just like your passion, your purpose, even power. If you don't find it in Him first, continually staying in Him, you will burn out, you'll give out, you'll go out, and you won't come back. And you may even do all this wonderful thing. When you stand before him, the mark of his presence is did he know you? What you say and what you do. Just like my testimony I shared with you, which I wasn't even expecting to share that with you today. Um, It was pointed out to me. It was made aware to me. 
that I had le I had left that in him when I became started feeling frustrated started hearing the things coming out of my mouth I knew it wasn't right the things I was doing the way I was doing it I wasn't doing it with an excellent spirit anymore why because I was frustrated I was tired I was trying to find meaning and purpose apart from him there will be evidence of his presence People should be able to hear it. You don't have to explain it to them how much time you spend in God every morning or every night. Now how much I read and I do this and I do that. It will just be evident. They'll look around your life and go, oh. Isaiah called me this morning. He's like, I don't know if this goes with your message. Are you, are you preaching? And he named a couple things. I'm like, nope, not at all. He says, well, I just felt like I was supposed to call you and tell you this and then use it as you will. When I was sitting in pre-service prayer, all of a sudden God says, it's just like that. So I text Isaiah back. I said, found it. Isaiah and Rachel's house, I, I wouldn't say that they're penny pinchers. They're just very, very frugal. Well, she is way more than he is. He would spend everything. He's the spender. She's the saver. So when we're not there, they, they get by with not turning a lot of lights on. Why? Because that's electricity, and you can go without that. You know? Don't turn this on. Don't do that. Well, when I get there, I start flipping every light switch on. Why? We are children of the light. Right? The kids always pick on me. When I get up, I'm like, flip this light on, flip that light on, turn that light on. They're like, you missed one. Where? You know? Yeah, the ceiling thing, you know? Well, Isaiah, he said for some reason this morning, he walked into the kitchen, flipped the kitchen light on, goes into the, you know, sat at the table, turned the dining room light on. Then he went to get Owen up. And as Owen was coming around the corner, he goes, Oh, Gigi's here! No? And he goes, Oh, all the lights are on. There should be, there are evidences that his presence is there in you, that you are in his presence. There's lights that are coming on, you know, in your life. But you don't have to manually go over and flip on yourself. Why? Because you can only keep that light on so long without his presence. You got to stay in, 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 in. Here it is. Would you stand? Colossians 3, 1 through 3 in the message translation, it says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, start doing it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your passion, your purpose, your power, your passion, your heart. You have to know him. 
purpose comes from knowing who you are in him, your value. Out of your heart, you'll find in him your value. And then you'll discover the power of him being in you wherever you go. Why? Because you go in him. You don't go out from him. You go in him. yourself. I mean, that's the, the, the mind-boggling, uh, beyond understanding, beyond knowledge that, that Paul was trying to describe there, that once we know him, our walk, whatever we do, wherever we go, that power of understanding that we go, not as us just as Betty doing Betty as a Christian, but Betty's doing life as God. As God. As Jesus himself. So when Betty's making coffee, she's making coffee not as Betty, but as God handing a drink to one of his own. Offering refreshment offering encouragement as you know Dale's handing a bulletin at the door as a greeter he's not doing Dale's position as a volunteer once I check it off I did this this month I'm all done but he's showing up as Jesus he's extending a hand and eyes and a smile as Jesus himself so when the person walks in that says this is the last time I'm checking out one of these churches because I know they're all judgmental and I'm just coming to prove that I'm right that nobody there's no God here that loves me unconditionally that when Dale extends his hand he feels the love of God he feels the presence the warmth why because Dale's not doing it as Dale Dale's doing it as Jesus there's no burnout in that he didn't have to wait till he had the badge before he started doing ministry as Jesus. His badge is found in Jesus, in God. Look at life through God's eyes. Use your hands as God's hands. Go into the world as God would himself. Because the whole world's waiting. The whole world is waiting for you. Even creation itself. The Bible says, explains it as the whole creation is moaning and groaning for us to take our rightful position and start doing life as God's royal children. For the sons of glory to be revealed. That's not for in heaven time because creation, remember, is going to be renewed before Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem comes back on this earth. All creation is moaning and groaning, longing for us sons of glory to take our rightful position and start ruling and reigning on earth now as it is in heaven. Now. So I want to close the altars, or close, open the altars and close the message with a let's find a place in him. 
in Him. Presence in Him. His presence is already here, but it's like it comes more. Again, I don't know how that happens. When we, he says, you draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. 